The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. From the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, April 27th. Coming up today... House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's debt limit bill passes the House, escalating a standoff with President Biden. Meta shares surge as revenue tops estimates. Deutsche Bank and Barclays rise following solid results. And First Republic may face limits on borrowing from the Fed. New York Mayor Adams has released his budget for fiscal 2024. Plus, the woman who's accused Donald Trump of raping her decades ago was on the witness stand. I'm John Tucker. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The Knicks won in Cleveland will now play Miami. The Yankees won. The Mets lost. The NFL draft starts tonight. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has gotten his debt bill passed in the House. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports it still has a tough road ahead. McCarthy did get enough votes to pass it and is loudly claiming victory. We are the only party to take fiscal action in a sound mind that would lift the debt limit so we wouldn't have economic damage. So it's onto the Senate where the Democratic control says DOA. Senator Richard Blumenthal says they may look later, but... There may be a way to combine the two, but right now let's do the debt ceiling. President Biden says the bill as it is now will never become law, but he's willing to sit down with McCarthy if default is taken off the table. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. Well, the two frontrunners for the Republican nomination are making news this morning. A federal appeals court has rejected Donald Trump's latest attempt to stop former Vice President Mike Pence from testifying before a grand jury. The panel is investigating whether crimes were committed by the former president and his allies as they tried to undo Joe Biden's election win. Meantime, Ron DeSantis is now the target of a lawsuit from Disney over municipal authority of its theme parks. Disney accuses the Florida governor of retaliating against the company for speaking out against legislation that he backed. Bloomberg political contributor Jeannie Shianzano says this will be a tough battle for DeSantis to win. I think Disney has done a very smart thing here, and they have really taken it to Ron DeSantis. He's going to have to either give up, which we doubt because it will upend his chances of running, or he's going to have to push back. And I think Mm -hmm. either way, this is a losing battle for Ron DeSantis. Bloomberg political contributor Jeannie Shianzano spoke with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch that program weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Hear the full interview on the Sound On podcast, available on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Well, we turn to markets now, Amy, and it's all about earnings again today. Shares of Meta up more than 11% in early trading. The Facebook parent reported revenue and user growth that beat estimates. The surprising ad sales rebound is buying Meta time to keep pouring money into artificial intelligence and virtual reality. CEO Mark Zuckerberg spoke on the company's earnings call. I continue to believe that slowing hiring, flattening our management structure, increasing the percent of our company that is technical, and more rigorously prioritizing projects 
will improve the speed and quality of our work. CEO Mark Zuckerberg says Meta reached a new milestone in the quarter. More than 3 billion people used at least one of its products, Facebook, Instagram, or WhatsApp, every day. And Karen, the earnings continue to roll in today with more than 70 companies in the S&P 500 reporting. Heading the list, Amazon, Merck, and Caterpillar. Amazon set to report after the close of U.S. trading. Well, in Europe today, Amy, shares of Barclays up more than 4%. Fixed income revenue unexpectedly rose in the quarter. That helped offset losses in equities, trading, and deal-making. In an interview with Bloomberg, CEO C.S. Venkatakrishnan says Barclays has been relatively sheltered from a global deposit withdrawals. The U.K. has been more insulated from that deposit flight across banks. Um, than certainly the U.S. has been between the regionals and the big money center banks. Having said that, our deposit franchise grew by about £10 billion during the quarter. Uh, And a lot of that was actually people, corporates, putting deposits with us. And Barclays CEO C.S. Venkatakrishnan says transaction banking income rose 68%. That's the best first quarter performance since 2014. Shares of Deutsche Bank are up more than 1%. The bank is pledging more jobs cuts to save $500 million. This comes after Deutsche Bank's trading business trailed peers for a second quarter. When it comes to deposits, Chief Financial Officer James von Mulkey tells outflows stabilized after the collapse of Credit Suisse. Once March was over and we were into April, like a light switch, you know, the the concerns around the banking industry went away. And we've seen deposits stabilize and grow over the course of of April. In the wake of the Credit Suisse crisis, CFO James von Mulkey says Deutsche Bank has opportunities to boost its wealth management business. And back here in the U.S., Amy, troubles for First Republic are getting deeper. The regional lender could now face limits on borrowing from the Federal Reserve. Regulators are weighing the prospect of downgrading their assessments of the bank. That could curb First Republic's access to Fed lending facilities. J.P. Morgan Asset Management's Bob Michaels says the regional banking sector remains in a crisis. It's somewhat naive to say that this is just limited to First Republic. If you step back and think about it, this should never have happened. This went after the most heavily regulated, capitalized industry on the planet, banking. And the regional banking system, I think, is quite vital to the U.S. So I think it is a crisis. And J.P. Morgan's Bob Michael notes that First Republic shares dropped 49 percent on Tuesday and 30 percent yesterday. Thank you, Karen. 5.07 on Wall Street, 52 degrees in New York. A few morning showers, then look for partly sunny skies. This afternoon, we'll get up to 65 degrees. Time now for a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's John Tucker. Good morning, John. And good morning, Amy. Mayor Eric Adams unveiled New York City's budget for fiscal year 2024. The city's budget will be $106.7 billion, the largest executive budget in city history. However, in a reversal from earlier talk, no cuts will be made to the budgets for libraries and cultural institutions. I've been a supporter of libraries since my day of the state senate. If you would speak with each one of the heads of libraries in general, but specifically in Brooklyn, they would tell you that how much of a friend I am to libraries. Mayor Adams says in the last year, more than 57,000 asylum seekers have arrived in the city, calling it an ongoing crisis. 
The man convicted of fatally running over an FDNY EMT was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Jose Gonzalez was high on PCP in March of 2017 when he stole the ambulance from Yadira Arroyo and motored down in the Bronx. Before he was sentenced, Gonzalez, who's 31, apologized and said he didn't mean to kill anyone. Writer E. Jean Carroll, who's accused Donald Trump of raping her decades ago, was on the witness stand in New York, part of her civil suit against the former president. Carroll says when she wrote about it, Trump said it didn't happen, shattering her reputation. Carroll testified that Trump attacked her nearly 30 years ago in a dressing room at a Fifth Avenue department store. Still unclear whether Trump will testify in the case. The Montana House has voted to bar Montana Representative Zoe Zephyr, the state's only transgender lawmaker from the House floor, for taking part in a statehouse protest. She'll no longer be allowed on the House floor, but can vote on bills remotely. Republicans limited Zephyr's participation in debates after she rebuked supporters of a proposed ban on gender-affirming care for children. When I rose up and said, there is blood on your hands, I was not being hyperbolic. I was speaking to the real consequences of the votes that we as legislators take in this body. Zimfer says that she's confident her punishment has only amplified her message. Republican lawmakers said she encouraged the protest Monday that disrupted House business and broke decorum. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm John Tucker, and this is Bloomberg. Amy. All right. Thank you, John. Time now for our Bloomberg Sports Update. For that, we bring in John Stashauer. Thanks, Amy. The Knicks are moving on. Their first playoff series victory since 2013. Just their second since 2000. They won in Cleveland. 106-95, won the series 4-1. to Plenty of Nick heroes, maybe none more so than Mitchell Robinson protecting the rim and grabbing 18 rebounds. Josh Hart played 47 minutes. He had 12 boards. Jalen Brunson scored 23 points. R.J. Barrett had 21. Julius Randle was playing well until he re-injured his left ankle late in the first half. Nick said to be hopeful. Randle will be able to play in the second round that starts Sunday afternoon at the Garden against the Miami Heat, who in Milwaukee... Came from 16 down in the fourth quarter, won in overtime to win that series in a massive upset. Only the sixth eight seed to beat a one. Wins in the West for Memphis and Golden State. Bruins lost in overtime to Florida. Still lead that series 3-2 tonight in Newark. We'll see who goes up 3-2 between the Devils and Rangers. Mets were playing well. They won 8 of 9 since then. Four straight losses beaten again by lowly Washington at City Field 4-1. Yankee bats came alive in a 12-6 route in Minnesota. Aaron Rodgers came to town and remarked about the Jets' lack of history. Watching old VHS tapes of, uh, of the Super Bowls. And so obviously I know about the guarantee and, and Rodway Joe. Been a while since then. I noticed uh, walking in this morning that that uh, Super Bowl three trophy is looking a little lonely. So... Jets now turn their attention to the draft that begins tonight in Kansas City. Jets have the 15th pick, the Giants the 25th pick. Carolina picks first, expected to take Alabama QB Bryce Young. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions, 
alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning, I'm Amy Morris. House Republicans narrowly passed that bill to raise the debt ceiling while cutting spending by nearly 14% over the coming decade, but the bill might not get too far. We're joined now by Dr. Julie Norman at the Center on U.S. Politics at University College London. Dr. Norman, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Would you call this a victory for House Speaker Kevin McCarthy? Well, he definitely needed to get this over the line, and he did. I mean, we saw the debacle around McCarthy's, uh, you know, confirmation as speaker. He really needed this as a win to show that he could keep the caucus together when it really mattered on issues where they really do have leverage. So I do think this was a big win for him, even though in reality this was more of a symbolic vote as he even was trying to, uh, you know, get votes. He was even saying, look, we know this isn't going to be legislation, but we need this to get over the line to show that we're putting something on the table. So mainly this vote was about showing that they do have unity within his caucus. So the bill's future in the Senate, what does that look like? Well, it was pretty much dead on arrival. Democrats have been very clear that they are not going to compromise on the debt ceiling. They're not going to negotiate on it, and they're not going to you know, even consider passing this bill. So what really the hope is through this legislation is to put the pressure on the White House to start negotiating around the debt ceiling. That's what McCarthy has been saying from the beginning. That's really the aim of this bill rather than actual passage of the legislation. So in some ways, I think from McCarthy's point of view, the ball is in Biden's court now with how to engage. Biden so far is saying, look, I'm not going to negotiate on the debt ceiling. I'm not going to do this for the you know gun to my head and that kind of thing. Um, but what he has said is, look, I'll meet and talk about spending, but I want it divorced from the debt ceiling. That has to be its own uh, passage without any strings attached. So who has the leverage here? Does this possibly force the president's hand because there's been a lot of time that has passed? Nothing technically has been accomplished and could push the country closer to default. So does McCarthy now have the leverage or does President Biden? It's a good question, Amy, because honestly, they're both, I think, really pushing this for um, political gain at the moment. We really, this kind of brinkmanship is not good for the country or for markets. I think we all know that. But at the same time, I think that it's almost coming out politically neutral at the moment because both of them can spin this to their own advantage. Biden can say that Republicans are forcing a negotiation on the debt. McCarthy can say Biden and the White House aren't negotiating. So I think right now they're almost canceling each other out. And I do think things are going to have to move forward in one shape or form. I think it might be a kind of a question of who's going to blink first. Again, my sense is that there can and will be negotiations on spending, but who can actually um, kind of set the terms of when that's going to happen before after the debt ceiling agreement goes, goes through. That's what both parties are going to be trying to get the upper hand on. Now, we've been talking a lot about congressional leaders in the White House, but I'm wondering about the rank and file lawmakers. Would there at this point be a sense of urgency among lawmakers or are are those who are entrenched going to stay entrenched? Is there any movement to get this done? 
Yeah. So we're obviously seeing some calls and interestingly, even House Democrats, uh, some calling on Biden saying, look, we, we really need to lose. It looks like we're trying to negotiate and come to the table on this to some degree. Um, and there are some calls from others in the caucus as well. I will say it's tricky, again, as we saw for Republicans, McCarthy has a um, again, we saw how difficult this was to get it over the line. So he doesn't have a lot of wiggle room there. And I don't think Republicans are going to budge too much on this. But I do think as this gets closer, again, just reality is going to have to set in and no one wants to see this happen. The odds of it actually happening are very low, um, but someone does actually need to figure out what they're going to do about it before we reach that point, potentially even in June. Yeah, I'm wondering how this is going to play out. This isn't like the budget where they can take things all the way down to the wire, then maybe sign a CR and kind of stretch it out a little bit. This this is not how the debt ceiling works. They have to get something done ahead of time to give it time to get through Congress and to get to the president's desk. Um, are we already out of time? Have they been mathematically eliminated? Is there time to get something done at this point? Yeah, I think there is still time. I mean, you know, there were some projections that the U.S. wouldn't actually hit that default point until almost September. That has gotten moved up recently, just as some of the, the tax revenues came in a little bit shorter than, than possible. So I think we're still looking at a June window right now. So there is still some wiggle room. And I guess I would say, again, this passage of this bill does kind of move things up to the next level. And now it's a question of, okay, this is there. We have this six, six weeks. What are we going to do about it? And what kinds of deals negotiations can happen to uh, to get this to get this through and to get something uh, to get something moving on the debt uh, without without these massive compromises that Democrats aren't going to make either. Perhaps they could put together some sort of um, uh, a coalition between the two sides. I mean, what are you going to be watching for over the next couple of weeks? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll be watching how the White House responds to this. I mean, it, within Congress, again, I think Republicans are clear where they stand in the House. Democrats have been clear where they stand in the Senate. Yeah. So it will come to some degree to the White House with how this is going to move. Um, and so uh, so Biden is the one who's really going to have to step in and say, uh, I think, say when and if he's going to negotiate on the other spending measures and if that's going to be enough for McCarthy and Republicans. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.